Welcome to the Beauty and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Shawnee, and today we discuss the B-side of life, love, and business. I hope you enjoy it. It's your girl, Shani, and I have another special guest for you today, Mr. Drew Ford. I'm so excited to have him on the Beauty and Soul podcast, but let's get into our quote for this episode. The quote is, musicians want to be the loud voice for so many quiet hearts, and that's by Billy Joel. Today, Mr. Drew Ford, also known as That Viola Kid and the creator of the wonderful hashtag Play Homie Play, is on our podcast. I'm so excited. Welcome to the Beauty and Soul podcast, Drew. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be here. <laughs> no problem. I discovered your videos on YouTube when I was considering going back to school for music oh. and a yeah, and applying for the Juilliard School. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Yeah. Uh, at the time, I was 30. So I was like, Lord, how am I going to do this? I was like, let me just start researching stuff on YouTube. Um, and then I found your videos and I was really, really inspired by it. And I started following you. Wow. And because I found them at the perfect time. Um, but what inspired you to start telling your story on YouTube? Wow. Um, well, I, I appreciate I appreciate the fact that, you know, um, the content that I was authentically really trying to create uh, resonated with you at the at a very specific moment in time. And I'm so happy that I was able to provide that value to you. That's that really means a lot. Um, for me, what started my um what started my journey or like my, my, the impetus for me to share my life with the world was, uh, I was a junior in undergrad, in undergraduate studies. So I went to the Robert McDuffie Center for Strings, uh, at Mercer University in Macon, Georgia. Uh, I studied, uh, classical viola performance, uh, with a minor in Spanish. And so I, you know, obviously I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do, you know, <laughs> but I love I You said Spanish. Spanish. I'm like, okay. Yeah, hablo un poquito de español, pero okay. no, I, I just, I don't get to practice enough, you know, and that's, that's yeah. with any language. That's what uh, you really need to continue to grow and cultivate. But I was a junior, second semester junior, and I was like, man, what do I want to do to make money? Because I love playing music, but in order to be a musician, uh, you need to have people who are willing to pay to see you play. You have to have an audience, right? And so I kind of started stewing my brain. Um, The program that I was into was very... uh, very into entrepreneurship and uh, being an artist entrepreneur, which is, I think, something that is developing in the 21st century uh, and is going to continue to expand. And in my humble opinion, I think is going to be the only way to cultivate a livable wage uh, as a classical musician uh, going even deeper into the 21st century. Because um, classical music has a bad branding issue. Uh, and it doesn't really develop new audiences. You know, if you look at the audiences in the majority of these concert halls, they've got graying or white hair. 
then uh, and also if you look at the audiences and the performers on stage alike, they do they're not representative of the demographic of the Amer- of America. It's a lot of white and Asian faces, um, and not a lot of black and brown. Uh, and which is ironic because most of these symphony orchestras they reside in metropolitan areas that have populations that are predominantly Hispanic or African American. So it's just very interesting how. The branding has not translated, even though the music is easily transferable. So it's just, it's a lot of old traditions that are not uh, allowing it to adapt and survive in the 21st century. So I was like, okay, how am I going to continue doing something I love and resonate with people and share the story with people who are not uh, traditionally familiar with classical music? Uh, So at first I was like, okay, first, how do I make money? And so I decided to try my hand at affiliate marketing. You know, I was young. I was vulnerable. You know how that, how that goes. And so I went to a convention uh, in um, Columbus, Ohio. That's what it was. We, t- we all, like, took a bus from Atlanta, Georgia, all the way up to Columbus, Ohio. It was a full, like, day, day-long sort of – it was like a crazy trek, right? So we get there. Uh, we stay in a hotel, and then we get the bus on the way back. But uh, we get there, and I, it's, it's this whole convention vibe. It's really nice, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, and then there was a keynote speaker, though. And this keynote speaker kind of changed my entire life, uh, changed the course of my life. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Gary V. I discovered Gary V. in 2013 when he was doing a, uh, a keynote speech for a VEMA convention. So I was out there, and I was like, yo – what's good? Like I I was listening to everything he was saying and it it wasn't like the Kool-Aid that the VMA community was giving me. It was more like, if you want to build your business or your brand, you need to storytell. You need to be able to uh, realize that the platforms you're using, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, they are making money off of your opinions. Like if you like this certain shirt and you post a picture with it, you are essentially marketing for that company. Now it is up to you whether or not you're going to get paid for that marketing, right? And so that kind of shifted my paradigm. I was like, whoa, whether I like it or not, I'm going to be promoting the products that I love. And so why don't I just build an audience alongside that? I need an audience anyway if I'm going to ever try to be a musician, right? I I need people that are going to be interested in what I have to say as a musician. So that kind of started, okay, how do I start building this, this audience? And then Gary Vaynerchuk had coincidentally come out with, in my humble opinion, one of his best books for social media, uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook. I bought that book. Uh, and I started my own, my very first hashtag campaign called Journey to Juilliard. And I decided to start telling a story. Like I'm auditioning for Juilliard for Masters. So uh, I'm going to show all my practice. I'm going to try to, I'm going to promote the recital um, on my college campus. Uh, going to make posters, going to do the whole shebang, try to get as many people to my uh, to my uh, recital. And so then the recital will lead on to the actual Juilliard audition. And I just want to share the story with people who, you know, I didn't have any followers. So it was just like, whatever. <laughs> like, I just wanted to right. do this for me. It was a way for uh, me to feel, to, to feel like, you know, people, I'm putting it out there. So I got to, I, I can't 
slack off. I can't dick around like I was the whole time during that I was in college. Like I have to actually put in the work that was required to uh, for for a gargantuan task like getting into the Juilliard school. So that kind of developed, and then um, you know it just kind of started snowballing from there. People started resonating with my story. People started. Uh, you know, worrying for me, like, is he going to get into Julia? <laughs> and then when I eventually did, uh, it was a really big win for the the verification of what I was putting out because I was then trying to market myself as a thought leader in the space of classical music, right? And so the verification of me getting into Juilliard was super important for me because that means that the advice that I would give out to the world would be valuable. Just having that Juilliard stamp, just having the vindication or just the verification that I was accepted into an institution like that. That was a, you know, I thought it was bold, but uh, now looking back in hindsight, that was a pretty shrewd marketing move on my part that just felt like a good uh it just felt right to me. So uh, very thankful uh, for that, for the, for the foresight and following my gut. And from then on, for the next two years after that, I was branding myself as a Juilliard student that is trying to figure out their place in pop culture. And then since then, it has all been all about LAJ, life after Juilliard. So I'm trying to figure out what it takes to build a career as a professional musician in a non-traditional format that doesn't go into the orchestra, that doesn't go into the concerto competition, yada, yada, yada. So, and that leads me to where we are today, where I'm trying to build my brand as a social media uh, personality, uh, content creator, a social media uh, content consultant for classical musicians and organizations around the, around the world. Because I think that there are a lot of uh, knowledge gaps um, in the content creation space, especially when you've got people who are just realizing that Instagram's a good idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's very, it's really rough out there. So uh, now I'm just kind of, I'm putting in that work and uh, I'm now realizing that, um, realizing my love for hip hop and realizing the nuance and beauty of hip hop in spite of rampant misogyny and homophobia. I think there are many beautiful stories to be told. Uh, through hip-hop, beautiful stories that have been told. Um, and it's not like classical music is <laughs> any different. Classical music has a rich history of disenfranchisement of women, uh, objectification of women, uh, disenfranchisement of minorities like African-American and Hispanic composers. So, there, And also, you know, maybe whitewashing of uh, composers. You know, they're, 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 I haven't done too much research on this, but there have been, you know, claims that Beethoven had African ancestry. So it's like, yeah, you know what that? I mean? So it's like there's, there's a lot of sin in classical music, but many people still find it to be wholesome and real. Why is there that, that sort of distinction? Why is there a line drawn when it comes to hip hop, especially people who do jazz, which is just as misogynistic? You know, people like Wynton Marcel is saying that it is more damaging to African-American culture than a statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm like, wait, what? Do you not know? You should know the roots of jazz. Like, it's just as bad, you know? Just Classical is just as bad. You used to be a classical trumpet player. So, like, what are you talking about, 
right? You can't in you can't vindic I mean you can't uh, uh, vilify it one genre for its shortcomings and then ignore the shortcomings of the genres that you know and love. It's either all black or it's all white or it's all gray. And I think addressing the gray areas and then showing the nuance and introducing people who love hip hop to classical music and people who love classical music to hip hop is the way that uh, we continue to move both cultures forward. So I'm really excited to begin um, a career as a rapper and a hip hop artist, as well as a classically trained and classical musician. So I'm now trying to navigate the space between the two genres and I'm uh, looking to release my debut single um, in just a couple of weeks. Uh, the release date is Yay! still, it's really interesting. I'm rapping and I'm playing viola on top of it. So it's yes, very different. No. And one thing that I want to, want to use to distinguish myself from other rappers is that I play my viola on all my tracks and like the, the viola is prominent. It's not just background, uh, background string sounds. It's like they play an integral role in the sampling and in the uh, beat as well as uh, in many cases having a full like viola line verse or like outro. So like there's, there's, there's some substance there. So that's that's a new space that I'm learning about, and one thing that I'm really excited to delve deeper into when I move out to LA next month. Yay! Oh my goodness, I'm so 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 excited to hear all of this. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, some of the things that you you touched on, um, such as you know how it is um, in the classical world, um, you know. Um, the faces don't necessarily look like our faces no, um, <laughs> um, as much, but, you know, and that's one thing I was, um, I was running into when I was trying to get back into school, you know, um, I actually lived in Atlanta as well. I lived in Atlanta for six oh, years. Wow. So ATL. Know. Yeah. So I was born and yeah, raised. Uh, yeah, you already know what it is. <laughs> yeah. They got good chicken. Oh, rings. girl. Um, I'm sorry, JR Crickets, RIP. Yeah, oh, man. <sighs> okay. We don't, we don't have a talk. <laughs> yeah, we got something on the yeah. We got something on the um, But coming from Atlanta mm -hmm. and then moving, moving to New York and then deciding, you know, that, okay, I'm going to focus on music and then seeing, and then seeing the music that I wanted to do wasn't necessarily acceptable mm -hmm. or if it was okay. You know, like if I would tell people, you know, oh, I want to sing R&B, I want to sing gospel, you know, I want to sing they're like, oh well, you can't do you can't do all of that. You yeah. you can either do this or that. Like you can't do you can't do multiple genres. And I was running into that a lot, and I was just like, why? Yeah. You know, it's true. Um, they just really really have like um, closed minds when it comes to you know music, and it's just so it's just so unfortunate because I feel like they're missing out on opportunities to reach people. You know that they they could, but they're just not willing to expand beyond what they've known for forever. Well, that's, that's the point. That's the point, right? Music is to connect to people. And I think there's a really big, there's a really big difference, but I think what, what, what the people that say don't do multiple genres are afraid of is they're afraid of change. They're afraid of destroying purity, but also you have a lot of people in the world on the flip side who say, I play 12 instruments. And usually when I hear that, I'm like, no, you don't. 
<laughs> you don't play them well. Like, and I think that the distinction right. is being a jack of all trades or a master of none, and then really make a watered down version of hip hop and classical, and just try to, to try to pander, right? You know, try to just like kind of ooh, uh, I know hip hop's popular, so I'm gonna just like put a trap beat on and just play some sixteenth notes, some doubled eighth notes over it and everybody's going to lose their mind and yes they do lose their mind but i think that you can go deeper and the problem is is we live in a microwave culture where anybody thinks they can be a musician uh based on merit they just because they want to be a musician they deserve attention and they deserve revenue from that instead of taking the 16 years to train on the viola classically focusing on honing every aspect possible of that art and then realizing, okay, what realizing what is necessary to keep moving forward in that genre and then adding something. I think people are just like, Oh, I want to sing rap and dance and make beats. And they don't take enough time to focus on one at a time. So therefore you do have this watered down version of all uh, these different really specialized fields. That's why Kanye is so amazing. And uh, apart from, you know, his personal controversy, which I've, I've done a, a fair bit of research and trying to understand his thought process and what is actually wrong with Kanye. Uh, there are many things, but what I do value about him is that he focused on producing and tried to make his production as beautiful and poignant as possible. And then he went into rap. Like they happened sort of at the same time, but he was known as a producer for many, 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 many years exclusively. And then he, people started to realize he could rap. And then Kanye single-handedly prevented the death of hip hop. You know what I mean? Like, I really believe that. Like he came around at a time when people were saying, like Nas was saying, hip hop is dead. But then you have this new voice come out of nowhere and revamp the industry and revitalize it in such a beautifully simple but profound way. And I think that that can happen again. I think it can happen again. It is destined to happen again. And I want to be a part of that movement. I found that there are many things, you know, yes, he is very uh, polarizing. Yes, he does say some things that tend to be unsavory. But I always, I never really feel like his intent is negative. And that's why I don't have a problem listening to his, uh, listening to his music because I feel like he doesn't have hate against anyone. And if anyone he really hates, it's kind of towards himself. He doesn't, he doesn't really understand his mental state. And so, uh, the way he says things come out and he doesn't know, he doesn't have media training like somebody like Tupac. And I think that's a really big distinction. I think they both have really valid voices and they, they, uh, they have very powerful voices and very, uh, 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 a lot of conviction behind what they say. But as a, as a very astute observation that I saw from interview, I forget who it was, but it was a guy who was talking about Kanye. He says that the difference between Kanye and Tupac is that Tupac had media training. And he said things like we and us, whereas uh, Kanye, in a way, tries to be a bulwark uh, for very polarizing opinions and says me and I. And so that's what puts people a little bit off, even if they're saying essentially the same thing, it's the way they present the ideas. So that being said, 
I think Kanye was a very important person because he came around in a time when, you know, people were like Nas were saying hip hop is dead. Right. And he comes out with college dropouts. He had spent years and years and years and years underground producing, being a producer, but he had also been developing his skills as an MC. And so he drops an album as an MC and everybody loses their mind because his production is of the highest quality. And also the words and what he was saying was so authentic and it was so powerful. And it really was just unlike any, anything anybody had heard. That has been so inspirational to me because I think we're due for another shift in that way. Because I feel like trap in a way is kind of stagnated. Uh, and I think it can be revitalized. I think the hip hop can move forward in a way. Uh, by going back to maybe sampling, by going back to, you know, putting real instruments on tracks. And you see people like Mac Miller really being the being the forefront of this. You see people like J. Cole really pushing the envelope of what it means to make hip hop, right? Kendrick Lamar. I mean, there are people doing this. Childish Gambino, Chance the Rapper. Yes. These are yes. people that I want to be in the same vein as because they're not dealing with trends like the little pumps and the Uzi Verts. Right, they're really they're really forging their own path. I mean, even Future and Lil Yachty and and uh, Twenty One Savage are also, <laughs> you know, ASAP Ferg. They're really creating and pushing the trap narrative forward. Yes, but I want to. I don't want to be pigeonholed into one thing about hip, one vein of hip hop. I want to be so different that you can't put me in a conversation of the goat because I'm just so different. Like. People like people like compare Michael Jackson and Prince, but they're so insanely different that they can both be seen as goats in their own way. Like Prince made all of his stuff, <laughs> you know what I mean? He did everything. While whereas Michael Jackson was the epitome of the performer and the pop star, he did that better than anybody else has did. Uh, I mean, anybody has done before. And done since he is still the king of pop so i think what i want to do is be in the vein of a j cole or a chance the rapper or a childish gambino where it's just so different and it's so honest that you don't have to compare me to anybody else you can just take me for who i am and enjoy the story that i'm telling that's where i want to uh, exist in the hip-hop realm so yeah and i think and i think we need that right now mm -hmm. you know it's just so much hate so much anger so much negativity going on um we need more j coles and more you know positive positive people who are spreading um good messages you know yeah. and yeah. are doing something different you know we we definitely need that for the culture the culture and what i love about the culture is that it always samples from things that are meaningful. Uh, I, I've recently been put on to uh, R&B singer and uh, and kind of kind of hip hop fusion uh, artist Kyle, and his music is so fascinating because he is glorifying the nerd. He is so much into nerd culture, like video games, uh, <laughs> like which I am too. And he's so unapologetically himself that uh, he's really giving a voice to a i don't know kind of sect of african-american culture that was uh maybe excluded from hip-hop hip-hop has very much been very much over the past 
you know, over its lifetime about, you know, the disenfranchised, you know, the people who have grown up hard. Uh, you know, you have people like Fresh Prince who grew up, you know, middle class, you know, grew up with the with maybe fewer struggles and made music for people who resonated with that sort of upbringing. And they, they clown on him. They say he's white. They say he's not real hip hop. Uh, but I, I, I see that he was the real harbinger to like a movement that's happening with the Childish Gambinos that, ha- that is happening with uh, the Chance of Rappers, or even people who are like the Kyles in the world, who really, um, really don't have necessarily gang affiliation in their past, or they didn't have to grow up in the ghetto. You know, it's different stories of blackness that doesn't subscribe to the monolithic narrative that media outlets try to put us into. And so I want to add to that because classical music is human music and it is music that is a wellspring of creativity that is yet to be fully tapped. You know what I mean? We've listened to funk. We've listened to funk. We've listened to the earth, wind and fire. We've listened to, to the R and B sampling. Now what does classical music have to offer to push hip hop culture forward? I want to ask that question and see if I can answer it. I like that. I really, really like that. Well, one of the things I pride myself on um, when it comes to the Beauty and Soul podcast is Mm -hmm. I like to talk about the B-side of situations. You know, um, it's it's easy for us to always talk about the the positive sides or the great things that's going on or the highlight reels, (laughs) um, things that we like to show on social media, things like that. But I also want to shed light and inspire people by telling them about the hard things, you know? Okay. Um, so one thing I did was I watched your video. Um, I think it was titled The Biggest Setback in Your Career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were talking about the teacher mm-hmm. um, who sent that email um, yeah. when you were going through a hard time, you know, in yeah. your career. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to know if you could talk to that teacher, like right now, like, what would you say to her? <laughs> That's the thing. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't because yeah. if you don't, it, the fact that I trusted her so deeply and that she cut me down in a way that w- that seemed effortless, uh, I don't ever want to attribute my success to anything that she did beyond the brief time she was teaching. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to give her. I don't want her to, I don't need to rub it in her face. I think my success is going to speak for itself. I don't, I'm not anywhere near where I want to be. But at the end of the day, when you're, when you tell a 17 year old kid who's kind of unsure about themselves and unsure about whether or not they'll make it in the classical realm to then say, you know what, you're right. I don't think you have what it takes. Um, that's not what a teacher is supposed to do. A teacher is supposed to, 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 to adjust to the mindset of the student if the student is kind of you know uh if the student is kind of like waffling you need to encourage them or or maybe say you know what yeah i mean if you're kind of decide let's keep pushing towards this goal let's 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 lay out some goals and then let's see at the end of the day if this is right for you not say oh yeah you're right no get out of here like i refuse to teach somebody who's not going to give this their all that's 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 uh an ego play that I just don't think needs to have uh, 
any sort of vindication. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, in my debut single, I actually addressed that very briefly. There are a couple bars where I'm like, yeah, I say like teacher that he trusted, thought was on his team, told him you unworthy kid, you'll never make it on the scene. Luckily, that kid didn't do much more than this kid because he knew an opinion wasn't going to define him. Many years went by without a word from the witch. He went to Juilliard. Now, ain't that a bitch? (laughs) (laughs) Did it on him. (laughs) Yeah. So I I like I throw it. I throw it down Um, because this this debut single, this track is called Duality. And it's kind of me saying, hey, I'm rapping. I don't really care what you have to say. You don't know. Uh you don't know how far I've come and I'm not going to stop until I've won and all these different things of starting out as a classical musician and the duality of being a classical musician and a hip hop artist is something that I'm going to be shoving down your throats. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready because this is me. I'm not asking permission. I'm doing this thing, whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the exact energy I'm on right now. I'm I'm done asking for permission. Like yes. you're gonna you're gonna take this. You're gonna get all of this, mm-hmm. all of this greatness. Yes. Either you're gonna be down or you're not. You're just gonna miss out. But I'm not asking for permission anymore. Well, my thing is is I, I hate to on the on at the risk of sounding arrogant, I really think that classical hip hop is like something that if you don't like it now when it starts trending you're gonna like it later so it's not like if you don't like it now it's like okay i'll just see you later it's like yeah you're not gonna stop the movement i don't think right. so i think that's that's and maybe i'm wrong who knows i am so open to being wrong and it's so freeing to be okay to be wrong i don't know but i'm not gonna sit here and not try you know i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh what if what if I tried that thing? Maybe, maybe I would have blown up faster, or maybe I would have seen a may, maybe a more devoted, uh, devoted fan base. Because the, I think the problem with classical music and the reason why it's dying a very slow but very uh, deliberate death is that it fails at storytelling. One thing that hip hop does better than any other genre is storytelling or maybe country i think country does it is very much on par but country is also very uh, a niche uh genre that it's hard to implant other cultures into country music because it's it country in itself is a culture that doesn't translate well across the world urban culture hip-hop is everywhere every country in the world has an urban center and therefore it it can relate to the urban tropes of hip hop. And I think that's why hip hop has gone viral around the world and is the most popular culture on the planet. So the storytelling aspect of hip hop, using lyrics to tell stories, to give context to the music and the ideas and to the artist's life, that's how, I mean, that's how it's, 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 it's telling a story. That's how it's growing, right? Classical music used to tell stories. You know, composers used to go out and play their own music. They used to talk at their concerts. People would go out to see Brahms. The people would go out and throw panties at Liszt. They would be like, oh my God. Women would faint in the audience when Liszt would give a recital, right? Because it was about him more than just the music. And in memory of the greatness of the person, we still play his music. Beethoven was such a badass, we still play his music hundreds of years later. Bach, 250 years later, we're still playing Bach, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Bach was not popular during his time. Bach, it took decades for Bach, after his death, 
for him to be respected and honored for the genius that he was. And Felix Mendelssohn played a really big part in that. Um, much like, you know, how Tupac and Biggie, they were big. Don't get me wrong. They were big in their time. But I think they are even bigger in death. Um, and you know what I'm saying? So I think that's that those parallels between bigger in death than in life is very prevalent within hip hop and classical music. So just these very, uh, very distinct genres. I think there's so many similarities. And the problem that classical music has is we're not telling the stories of the composers that lived. And so, because most of the music is without lyrics. And at the end of the day, I think lyrics is what are, are what people gravitate to the storytelling, you know, it's much, there's a much larger barrier of entry for you to understand in Brahms uh, string quartet. If you don't have somebody sitting down with you for about six or seven minutes and just having a conversation with you about it beforehand. Right. Mm hmm. Because it's just a different context. I think that people are so steeped in tradition and classical music that they're afraid to take that five minutes because we're not trained to do it. They're afraid to take the five minutes to explain it to them and say, hey, maybe this is why you don't clap between movements. Hey, this is what Brahms is going through in his life. This is why this piece is important. You know how, like, yeah. you know how you're going through depression? A lot of people, Kid Cudi and Kanye, are dealing with suicidal thoughts and depression. Beethoven was grappling with the same ideas here in this piece, but only like 200 years prior to now. And this is how Beethoven resolved it. And I think, I think if you watch the journey and how it unfolded, there's beauty in it, right? I think just even doing that will change the way classical music is perceived. And I think the way we introduce people to classical music and sitting them down to even like have them be interested is to first tell the stories in hip hop first, you know, listen to what people are enjoying and then tell your story in that context. you got to tell it in context. So that's what I'm going to try to really do with, uh, with my career. I agree. Well, I, I am excited for you. So I know you have a show coming up. Yes, so tell I do. us about your show. Yeah. So uh, it's so funny. Um, I've lived in New York for, wow, close to, I, this will have been my fifth year um, if I would have stayed, if I would have stayed. But I'm moving out to LA uh, at the end of August. I know I'm really sad, but I'm excited too. <laughs> um, so this show at Rockwood Music Hall Stage 2 is my very first uh, show. It's my very first show in New York City after four years of living here and is my last show that I will be headlining uh, here in New York City. So uh, it's kind of like my coming out party as a, as a, as a rapper. Um, I will be debuting, uh, world, world premiering, my debut single, uh, Duality, um, as well as I'll be featuring uh, half a dozen incredible musicians who have inspired me and given me so much love uh, throughout my time here uh, in New York. Some of them I just met a few months ago. Some of them I've known for years. So I'm very excited to, uh, to make that happen and give my, my fellow artists a platform. So I'm trying to sell out, sell out the venue. There are 150 tickets, uh, no, 175 tickets that can be sold. I will also be live streaming it, but I want to sell out the show. So if you're in the New York area, uh, August 15th, 7 p.m., 
uh, you'll be hearing uh, it's pretty much a variety show of music. We've got a, we've got a couple singer songwriters. Uh, one of them is a pianist. The other one is a singer who's going to be accompanied by a friend of ours on the cello. We've got uh, a rapper who actually produced the original beat for my debut single duality i'm going to be throwing on a viola solo uh or viola sonata with a pianist friend of mine and uh i know i'm forgetting someone oh i hate when i do this uh but anyway yeah so if you're gonna you're gonna hear a wide range a wide array of different acts but at the end of the day i want people to leave uh the show realizing that genre is just a construct at the end of the mu- at the end of the day, you know, the stuff we listen to is just music. It's just music because it's sounds of or it's organized sound that creates beauty. But at the end of the day, it's also just music because it is worthy of your attention and it is worthy of uh, it's worthy of your consumption. And I think it'll at the end of the day make your life much better for it. I agree. I agree. Well, I'm so excited. I will definitely be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I hope, excited. Thank you. Yeah. I hope everyone else listening will be there and come and support you. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for your journey. I'll definitely continue following you. Oh, yes, please. Yes. You up. <laughs> okay. Hit me up. Come on out. Let's go. <laughs> but um, so I just want to do something fun to close okay. out the show. I want to sure. honor your time. Yeah. Um, so. The Beauty and Soul podcast, we talk about the B side of life, love, and business. Okay. So I want to give you three words, and okay. then you just give me the first word that comes to mind when I tell it to you, okay? Okay. All right, love. Uh, I just, hip-hop came up, came mm-hmm. to mind, love and hip-hop. <laughs> I love it. Life. Um, passion. Mm, I like that, too. And business. Giving, or this is not one word, but giving value. Mm, I like that though. Coming, coming to the, coming to the, the table, not expecting people to give you their hard earned cash, but trying to make their life fundamentally better. And as a, as a result, having them support you financially. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the Beauty and Soul podcast, Drew. Thank I'm you so, so much. So excited for you. Well, thank you so much. This was really fun. Thank you for allowing me to tell my story. And uh, I really appreciate all your listeners. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for telling your story. And thank you for putting (laughs) those videos out on YouTube to help me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yeah, please follow me on on YouTube and Instagram at That Viola Kid. You can find me me at my website, thatviolakid.com. Uh, and I, I'm post on Facebook and Twitter as well. So you can find me everywhere at that viola kid. Okay. Awesome. And I'll be sure to include all of his information in the show notes. So you guys can go ahead and get the tickets to his show before he leaves New York. Awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, friends. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Drew. I really did. He really inspired me. And if you aren't following him on Instagram, you definitely should. And you definitely should be following him on YouTube. He has wonderful videos and content that he puts out all the time. He's working really, really hard. Um, But the feature song for this episode I thought would be perfect is 
All of the Lights by Kanye West. I mean, of course we were talking about Kanye. I'm a big fan of Kanye, but I really think the message in the song um, is really fitting for this episode because sometimes we can't get blinded by all of the lights and everything that's going on. But I think it's really important for us to communicate and realize what music and the arts is really about. It's about everybody coming together. So here is Kanye West and Rihanna and Kid Cudi with All of the Lights. listening to the beauty and soul podcast where we discuss the b-side of life love and business i hope you enjoyed it and as always keep god first and don't forget to share rate and subscribe until next time